Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Bacon, eggs, and toast, coffee, and orange juice. If you grew up in North America or parts of Europe, you're probably picturing breakfast. But when you think about it, anything nutritious and filling is enough to get you going in the morning. So why are these foods, as opposed to other equally tasty things, relegated to breakfast? For the article this episode is based on, HowStuffWorks spoke via email with Dr. Beth Forrest, a professor of liberal arts and applied food studies at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. She said, There are a host of influences that have shaped the concept of breakfast, from older Christian beliefs, socioeconomics, trade, technology, medical theory, and constructs of nutrition, convenience, and marketing, to name a few. The history of what Americans consider to be breakfast food traces its roots back hundreds or even thousands of years. Things like eggs, sausages, and a version of pancakes were typical in ancient Rome, though few people at that time ate early in the morning. And, of course, although some foods have stayed the breakfast course, the meal has also changed significantly. Forrest said, Fish, beer, and wine could be found on the table going back to the medieval period, in addition to foods that we see today—eggs, bacon, bread, and cheese. Conversely, porridges, oatmeal, and other grains would be consumed across meals, and not regulated to only the breakfast meal. But things changed during the Industrial Revolution, as people began to have less time to devote to meals. Forrest said, Breakfast is often necessarily fast— and the foods that are served for breakfast need to be able to be prepared quickly. Time is just one of the factors that's shaped what Americans know as breakfast. The rest of the story can be told through the foods themselves. Take bacon and eggs, for example. That was a PR stunt. The story goes like this. In the 1920s, Beechnut Packing Company wanted to get more people to eat bacon. Beechnut was a producer of lots of foods at the time, including chewing gum, peanut butter, and pork. The company hired PR consultant Edward Bernays, who just happened to be the nephew of Sigmund Freud. They found that most Americans ate light breakfasts, so Beechnut's new campaign suggested a heavy breakfast would be healthier, quote, because the body loses energy during the night and needs it during the day. That message was spread in newspapers around the country, and wouldn't you know, Sales of bacon began to skyrocket, and soon eggs and bacon were married forever. Cold cereal has an even stranger history. It got its start as a health food served to patients in sanatoriums, that is, facilities where people went for long treatment stays for mental or physical health. They were more like retreats than hospitals. Dr. John Kellogg, yes, that Kellogg, ran a sanatorium in Battle Creek, Michigan, and made a type of granola out of wheat, cornmeal, and oats, though it was pretty much nothing like the granola we know today, as it had no sugar or fat added. Nonetheless, Kellogg's granola was so popular as a purportedly purifying, cure-all health food that he was selling two tons a week by 1889. Because oats have to be soaked and then cooked, Kellogg needed to develop something faster and easier to serve at a sanatorium. His brother, Will Keith Kellogg, helped him experiment with granola, and they developed a process to make crispy wheat flakes, the first flaky cereal. Four years later, they were selling toasted corn flakes, and cold cereal was born. Will Keith wanted to add sugar to the cereal, something his brother strongly disagreed with. So Will Keith left 
and started the company that would eventually become the Kellogg Company. The success of breakfast cereals in the U.S. is much more than a story of health food, though. It's another example of the power of marketing. Forrest said, Dr. Kellogg promoted his cornflakes as healthy and spread his gospel through cookbooks, public lectures, teaching kitchens, and marketing pamphlets. In terms of the media, breakfast and breakfast foods have long appeared in art and literature, and this can include advertisements that appear in magazines and on television. Children in particular have been targeted by marketing through cross-promotional advertising and, as early as 1909, offered prizes tied to cereal boxes. By the time the 21st century dawned, cold cereal accounted for 35% of breakfasts in America. By 2018, the business was worth billions. Americans alone ate $8.5 billion worth of cold cereal that year. Meanwhile, you can credit political resistance for America's coffee obsession. Coffee is originally from what's now Ethiopia, and no one is sure exactly when someone first brewed and drank the stuff. Legend has it that a goat herd noticed his goats were extra perky after eating some particular berries, and he decided to give it a try. English colonists in North America preferred tea, but after England began to heavily tax tea and the colonists responded with the Boston Tea Party, drinking coffee became patriotic. Some also believed that coffee was medicinal. Later, during the Civil War, soldiers on both sides wanted coffee to keep them going. But Confederate soldiers often couldn't get it and made substitutes out of dandelion roots or toasted okra seeds. Today, coffee is one of the most popular drinks in the United States. The 2019 annual report from the National Coffee Association found 63% of Americans drink the stuff every single day. But let's talk about orange juice. Until the mid-19th century, aside from tea, the breakfast drink of champions was hard cider or beer, both very low in alcohol. Hardly anyone drank orange juice or ate oranges at all because they were expensive and hard to get. But several things happened to make OJ a popular breakfast drink in the early 20th century. First, railroads helped growers expand. Second, in the late 1920s, a scientist isolated vitamin C, and identified oranges as a great source of the vitamin. Then, in 1942, the U.S. Army offered tons of money to whatever company could figure out how to produce frozen orange juice that actually tasted good. Enter Richard Morse. He became the first to commercially produce frozen orange juice concentrate. His brand, Minute Maid, became a huge success and made orange juice an attainable morning must-have. Even though OJ remains popular, it's not what it used to be. Today, Americans are drinking about three gallons, that's 11 liters, less per person per year than we were in the year 2000, mainly because people are concerned about its nutritional content. Juices are sugary, after all. Now, where's my breakfast donut? Today's episode is based on the article, Why Are Certain Foods Eaten Mainly at Breakfast? on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Sean Chavez. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 